Hello there, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, and welcome to another episode of Steelers Six Pack with Tony. I am your host, Tony Defio, and I thank you for joining me on this fine and not so humid Friday evening in Pittsburgh. And as I always say, I hope it's nice and not so humid wherever you are at the moment when you're watching or listening to this podcast. If you're watching live, hello. If you're listening after the fact on any audio platform that you can find podcast, hello again. And before I continue with tonight's show, as always, I please would like to ask you to like and subscribe to our Behind the Curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day of the week. We have this show, of course. We have the Touchdown Under show on uh, Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Matty Peverall and Mark Davison. There's the Steelers Q&A every Sunday night, and I'll be on this Sunday night with uh, Jeffrey Benedict at 8 o'clock. You can catch that every Sunday live at 8. Uh, there's uh, Bad Language with Brian Anthony Davis. I believe that's on Sunday. We also have The Hangover on Mondays with Brian and Shannon White and yours truly. Uh, there's the Scobro Show on Tuesdays with Dave Schofield and brother, uh, his brother Rich Schofield has been doing the, he did the um, the uh, knee-jerk reaction. He was at training camp, I guess, on Thursday, and he did a knee-jerk reaction to that. So you, you can join those two every Tuesday night. There's the curtain call with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon on Wednesdays. The preview on Thursdays with Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield, and Brian uh, so we have Re- we run the north every Sunday with Kevin Tate. That's a great show. It's a great roundtable show. I watched it the other day. Love it. That's where they kind of uh, uh, discuss all the happenings in the AFC North. And hey, what's wrong with expanding your horizons? So I like that show. And of course, you can catch all those shows also live on Facebook, where we have a big presence on Facebook. Uh, so you can catch us live on Facebook. Um, and you can catch all of those live shows after the fact on any audio platform. Uh, and we also have a whole host of audio only shows that we, we, we produce them and they get published by Brian and you can catch them on any audio platform, including let's ride with Jeff Hartman, the stat geek with Dave Schofield from the cutting room floor with Jeffrey Benedict, the war room with, with uh, Maddie Peverall, the Steelers fix with, the great Jeremy Betts and the up and coming future superstar Andrew Wilbar. Am I missing any? I don't think so. I think I got them all. If I didn't, you can remind me. But anyway, you can whenever you're on uh, uh, behind the curtain, you can you could you could scroll down. You can see our like so many of our shows, the, the episodes we have one after another. And you know, of course, please check out behind the curtain the website. We're bringing news, commentary, film breakdown. Any, any of the happenings going on at training camp, the first week of training camp, as you've seen, if you've been visiting our, our page, we've brought that to you. So it will not, you will not be sorry. And let us check out the live chat. And let's see who we have. Jared Devil's number one. I'm not surprised there. He's always a favorite to be number one. Patricia Castandia is number two with us. She joins us. State of, State of the Steelers joins us. He wrote a great article about Kenny Pickett uh, today or the other day. George Teston is with us. Brad Jewett, Kathy Ford, and I th- Dark Storm One. So we have a nice crew 
on our first Friday after the Steelers started training camp. And let's let's let me get you the uh, the six pack of questions because I, I I just did my own because I, uh, it's easier for me to remember. And and you know I think you know, with, with training camp starting, I can I can um, always come up with, with six. So I figured I'd do that. And here's question number one. On a scale of one to ten, how mad are you at Deontay Johnson for his holding? First week of camp, no pad, no padded practices yet, and he's holding in much like TJ Watt did last year, and I believe Cam Hayward did two years ago, uh, in because of the ongoing contract negotiations that might not even be going on with uh, with Johnson. I, we we knew TJ Watt was engaged in a, a negotiation with the team last year, and of course. Hayward two years ago. We have no idea what the status of uh, DJ's contract talks are, if there are any at all at this point. So how mad are you at him on a scale of 1 to 10? How worried are you by Kenny Pickett on a scale of 1 to 10? Word, word out of camp in week one of camp was that he did not look that great. Not, not a surprise, but how worried are you about that? How worried are you about Mika Fitzpatrick's injury? He hurt his uh, wrist on uh, – on vacation, he fell off a bike and he he uh, was placed on the non-football injury list to start camp. Are you worried about Claypool's injury? He was injured on Friday. He left practice with a elbow injury or a shoulder injury, something like that. And have you been to camp yet? That's question number five. Question number six, how about that George Pickens, huh? Wow. All right, so those are my six questions. So uh, we'll come back and revisit those at the end of the show. After I cover my topics, and we also have Sean Manahan with us. Faustino Flores is with us from from uh, YouTube. So welcome, you guys. And let's talk about the title of tonight's show, Deontay Johnson's Hold-In. He, so far this camp, he's basically been participating in individual drills, um, doing some running and catching some passes from, I don't even know who's catching passes from, but he's not participating in team drills. Um, although I did see some things on posted on Friday where he was running sweeps and things like that. So, I mean, you know, is it really that, is it really that huge a deal? Like back in my day, a holdout was a holdout, damn it. I remember where, where I was when I heard the uh, Franco Who comment from Chuck Knoll back in 1984, commenting on Franco Harris's holdout, and of course they released him after that, not long after that, meaning Franco Harris. I, m- I remember Mike Merriweather's holdout in 1988, five years ago, four years ago, uh, Le'Veon Bell's holdout. He was on jet skis. Remember that? Remember those social media pictures of, of him? And it really wasn't a holdout for him because he didn't sign his. Uh, franchise tag but still he wasn't at camp and there was a big uproar those were real holdouts darn it a hold in i mean what what can you what, what is there to get mad at or mad about with a hold in you know he's basically still at work he's participating in 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 in, in one-on-one drills so is it really a breach of contract at this point and what makes johnson any different than tj watt who did the same thing last year and Cam Hayward, who did the same thing two years ago. What is the difference? And I know what you're going to say. Those guys, meaning Watt and Hayward are special. And Deontay Johnson's just a 
Another receiver. Good receiver, but just another good receiver. Nothing special about him. He's not Antonio Brown. He's on Heinz Ward. Heck, he might not even be George Pickens. But uh, so he should be he should be participating fully with this team. He doesn't deserve to hold in while he seeks a new deal like Watt and Hayward did. He doesn't deserve to not risk injury. Um, but try telling him that. Try telling Johnson that he doesn't deserve to not risk injury. After all, the NFL has a union. The NFLPA is a players union. And um, when you're in a union, and my boss from the from Pitt back in the 90s, he taught me this. I really had not thought of this until I asked him. I said, Frank, one day, you think you know we should we should try to start a union? You know, meeting his employees, and he kind of rolled his eyes and said, "Let me tell you something." They tried to start a union uh, one time years ago. Uh, they shot it down when they found out what went into having a union. And basically, how what, how he explained it to me is contrary to what you might believe about certain players uh, having certain privileges over other players or entitlements. When it comes to a union, when it comes to things like like contract hold-ins, I'm pretty sure it's a black and white deal. Like you can't tell, you can't allow T.J. Watt to hold in or Cam Hayward to hold in, and then tell Johnson, "Sorry, you got to participate, or we're going to fine you. You have to participate fully in every practice, or we're going to fine you." How can you do that? How can you do that? You can't. You can't base it on 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 performance or or awards or or pro bowls or whatever, How, what, 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 what makes Johnson any different than what and Hayward, he's a member of the NFL PA and you know, what, 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 what does the team say to the, to the union if they decide to, to, to find Johnson for not being a full participant? What do you say? I mean, it's one thing to discipline a, a, a union member for off the field issues or for holding out completely and not showing up when you're under contract. But what do you, what, what how do you punish Johnson for this? What, how can you force him to, to, uh, to, to practice fully when, again, you set an example with these, uh, you can, you can say what you want about Watts uh, pedigree or Watts status and Hayward status and everything. But you set a precedent by allowing those guys to quote unquote hold in, whether you um, allowed it or they just did it. I don't know what the full story was with with those two players, but it happened. Now it's happening with Johnson, and we don't know how long it's going to last. I forget how long Hayward's hold in lasted. Uh, Watt was pretty much all of training camp last year until he, they they finally signed him to that record setting deal right at the end of camp. Uh, so we don't know how long it's going to be with Johnson. Maybe it's just going to be this week. It's a, it's a non-padded practice. These have been non-padded practices this week. That, that, that's uh, worth noting. Um, so maybe maybe he he participates fully on Monday. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he continues to hold in. I don't know. But when it comes to cases like this, when you're dealing with a union, and, and get back to my boss from Pitt, what he said to me was like, you know, if you, if you didn't have a union and one of your employees came to you and said, hey, boss, I'd like to knock off an hour early after the dentist appointment. Is that okay? 
sure, go ahead. But if you have a union, you really can't do that because if you if you allow one employee to leave early for a dentist appointment, uh, what happens the next day when somebody else comes up to you and says, hey, boss, uh, my kid's getting out of school early. Can I leave early? No, you can't. We need you here. Well, why? Why, why, can't, why can't I leave early? You let him leave early yesterday for a dentist appointment. Are his teeth more important to my kid? What are you trying to say here? You know, so that's why you can't do that with, the, with a union. So, so believe it or not, when it comes to situations like these, and this is just my opinion, and I could be dead wrong, but I think they have to kind of treat all these situations exactly the same. And again, they, they, set, they set the precedent. The toothpaste is out of the tube, so to speak. The horse is out of the barn. And good luck trying to get that horse, to, to corral that horse in the future and, and, and get it back in the barn. Uh, whenever some, whenever a future player is going through the same thing, the last year of his rookie deal or just the last year of his deal period, and he wants to, he's trying to negotiate a new contract. Um, he's probably going to do the same thing. He's going to hold in or maybe hold out, but probably hold in. That's, that's a, I guess that's a, a soft holdout. So good luck. Good luck, uh, in the future with that. You know, I, there's nothing much you can do about it unless you from this point on take a hard line and say, look, any player who decides not to participate fully in training camp because of contract issues will be fined or suspended or whatever. Uh, you, you might have to do that if you're that, if you're that, if you're worried about it. Um, but again, it just doesn't seem like that big a deal. Like when I see Johnson out there doing one-on-one drills and, He's out there with the, with the, his teammates. I, you know, it just it doesn't seem like it's that huge of a deal at this point. Um, and as far as his teammates are concerned, they've all come out and pretty much supported him. And why wouldn't they? I mean, they're all again. This is a union, and they're all trying to get paid at some point. So you know, for somebody like I don't know Chase Claypool or wh- whomever to come out and criticize Johnson, well, he could be in the exact same situation a year from now looking for a new contract or two years from now, whenever his rookie deal is up, I guess, I guess it's next year. So, you know, you know these guys aren't going to criticize their teammates for doing this because they want, they're, they're going to want the same treatment down the road. So you're never going to see anybody come out and they might passively aggressively do it, uh, but they're not going to come out and, and, and be harsh and, and be direct. That's just not, they would, it would be, they would, um, look like hypocrites uh, uh, down the road if they did that more than likely. So those are my thoughts on Johnson at this point. I'm really not that, I mean, stuff like this never really bothers me. I'm, 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 I'm going to be perfectly honest. Holdouts have never really bothered me. Uh, training camp holdouts anyway. Um, I don't start to get concerned until they start missing the real games, the regular season games. Then it's like, all right, come on. You know, if they're under contract anyway, and obviously there, there are no indications that Deontay Johnson is going to hold out during the regular season. Um, I, I kind of, for some reason, I get the feeling he's going to, to um, start participating fully once the, uh, uh, the pads go on next week or maybe the week after. At some point he's going to, uh, because I don't think, I honestly don't believe they're going to reach an agreement on a, on a new deal. Because I don't think they they value uh, receivers as much as other teams do. You know, the receiver market right now is just 
out of whack. Uh, so I think they personally feel like they can find receivers in the draft and they can bring them in and develop them and, and, and have them perform well, provided everything is going well with the offense, with the quarterback and everything. Uh, there's certainly a good track record of that over the last 10, 12 years. It's not perfect. It's not as perfect as people think it is. You know, they remember Antonio Brown and, and Mike Wallace a short time here. And of course, Heinz Ward and, and uh, Bryant was pretty good until he had his uh, problems. Uh, so, and obviously Juju uh, Smith Schuster and obviously Johnson uh, has been a pretty productive receiver here, considering the, um, the problems the offense has had his entire career in Pittsburgh. So they, they definitely have a good track record, not a great one, but a good enough one to where I think they're not going to give Johnson the $20 million a year that he's probably looking for. And a good deal of that, a good bit of that guaranteed, um, they're probably not going to give him that. They're probably going to ask him or uh, lowball him. Um, and then he's going to play out his rookie deal. And then next year he's either going to leave or they're going to franchise tag him, which I don't anticipate that either. Because I, I, I'm assuming a franchise tag for a receiver would be close to $20 million guaranteed. And again, I don't think they want to pay him that. Um, as I've discussed in the past, though, at some point, uh, at some point, they're going to have to break this rule of not giving receivers second contracts. Yes, they've done it twice in the modern, in, in the salary cap era, Heinz Ward. And of course, Antonio Brown, uh, two all-time greats uh, for the organization, and uh, in Brown's case, in the NFL, two all-time greats. Um, but at some point, they're going to have to give a pretty darn good receiver market value. That's just that's just how it's going to be in the future. I mean, that's just how it's trending. Uh, otherwise, they're going to gain a reputation as, a, as a, a franchise that does not want to take care of its wide receivers, even even its very good ones. And what's going to happen is guys are going to start asking for trades by their third year, or they're going to start holding out by their third year. <laughs> they're not going to want to um, put their bodies at risk here um, if they if they don't feel like their their employer, meaning the Steelers, is going to take care of them with a, a, a market value contract. So I think at some point they're going to have to uh, bite the bullet, so to speak, and pay a pretty darn good receiver uh, market value money. That's just the way, that's just the way things are going right now in the NFL. So um, those are my thoughts on Johnson. Uh, as far as uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, his wrist, it doesn't appear to be all that serious. I, he still really hasn't, participated in, in practice yet and i i don't fault him at all for what happened he, he was on vacation and and he fell off his bike and hurt his wrist and you know those things happen these guys have lives outside of football and they're allowed to ride bikes and they're <laughs> they're allowed to you know do things that us normal humans do so i don't i don't have a problem with that uh my only thing is and this is just speculation because i have no way of knowing for sure but i kind of know is what would the reaction be had Juju Smith-Schuster, if he was still here, and he went on vacation right before training camp, and he fell off a bike and hurt his wrist and had to be put on the non-football injury list to start training camp. What would the reaction be? And I almost guarantee you the reaction would be 
hilarious, meaning people would be so outraged. They would be uh, burning their number 19 jerseys or throwing them away or using them as dish rags or whatever, uh, because they would automatically assume that Juju was being irresponsible, that he, he wasn't focused solely on football. And that's why he got hurt. You know, remember last year with the milk crate challenge, <laughs> people were in an uproar over that. Uh, that it was a TikTok thing that he, he posted on social media of him trying to do the milk crate challenge. And people that that was a debate for two or three days. So I almost guarantee you, if it was Juju, wow. If it was any receiver, really, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, you name it. Because Steeler fans are really, ha they have a, a love hate relationship with, with receivers. Let's be honest, they do. There's Heinz Ward, and then there's everybody else. Seriously, think of one receiver that's come come through here over the last 20 years that's, that's gotten off uh gotten away unscathed in, in terms of fan criticism so yeah they would i think they would be very peeved off if it were a receiver that that fell off a bike and not Mika fitzpatrick and that's just Steeler fans that's the mentality i remember i went to training camp in 2011 with my then girlfriend and my brother and we're standing around and um there was this older guy talking to this kid it was like a, a looked to me like a grandfather grandson dynamic and he was pointing to the players and he said see those guys in the gold they're the tough guys they're they play defense see those guys in the white they're the sissies they play offense and you know he was uh, starting his uh, grandson off at an early age with that mentality and what my point is i think they're they're more willing to give a safety like Minka fitzpatrick the benefit benefit of the doubt for falling off his bike, even though, again, I don't, I don't fault him for that at all, but they're willing to just automatically say, Oh, that's okay. Things happen. But the receivers, those diva receivers, those sissies, now uh, we, you know, they need to focus on football 24 seven. So I think that's, that's what, what, why you haven't heard any, not, not a peep, not a, a peep about, about uh, Fitzpatrick and, and perhaps being irresponsible <laughs> Uh, on, while on vacation. So I just thought that was a pretty, uh, pretty funny thing. Cause that's the first thing that popped in my mind when I heard, when I heard that he fell off his bike and heard his wrist of, Oh my gosh, if that were Juju or any other receiver, it would have been ugly. The uproar, it, they would have been talking about it for days on, on, on talk radio, on social media, the debates would be raging. There would be articles written in the comments attached to the article would be like in the triple digits. It would be crazy. So, that's topic number two. And then topic number three, of course, has to has to focus on the uh, quarterbacks. And yes, the practices so far have been without pads, but of course the 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 uh, the debates and, 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 and the, the the dialogue about the, the, the quarterback competition has been red hot, nonstop speculation is, is running rampant it's exactly what i thought it would be it's every bit the the over hyped over sensationalized thing that i thought it would be and i love it i'm here for it i want every i want to i want to absorb every second of it apparently mitch trubisky the now the the, the the guy number one on the uh depth chart looks okay not great but he also looks pretty confident that he's going to to be the starter based on 
his interviews and just his demeanor. Mason Rudolph, the yeah, backup, number two on the chart. He looks great, or at least at least really, really solid. Um, and he's drawing a lot of praise by the from the people who are at training camp. Mark Caballi, uh, I think Brooke Pryor uh, praised him, a couple other people. And of course, Kenny Pickett looks lost, like a deer in headlights. Uh, he's not even participating from what I've read in the seven on seven shots that those famous seven on seven uh, drills that they do at the goal line where uh, it's the offense against the defense and, and it, they run seven plays and, and whoever gets the, the, the best of it between the offense and the, and the defense is declared the winner. He hasn't even participated in that yet, nor has he really participated in, in many of the, the uh, scrimmage drills from what I understand. So I don't, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means anything at this point. Just uh, three days, as as of this podcast, three full days of uh, practice uh, sessions at, at Latrobe again without tr- uh, 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 without pads, without hitting. I don't I don't know if 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 it means anything at this point. You know, I, I am not shocked at all that Kenny Pickett, a rookie quarterback, looks kind of lost and and unsure of himself after only a few days. You know. Again, there's a big difference between the ACC and the AFC North. <laughs> there's just, it's just, it might as well be a different planet. And, you know, very few quarterbacks step right in and look comfortable from the start. Um, very few. Uh, Peyton Manning, I think, struggled a little bit in his first year, you know, and he's a god. You know, uh, we all we all know the story, the story about Terry Bradshaw, how he was, he was totally, he looked like a bust after his first couple of years. So, you know, um, yes, he was the most pro ready coming out of college, coming into the draft. Yes, he was the first quarterback pick, but that didn't guarantee that he was going to come right in and be the man from the get go. Uh, but again, it's only been a few days. It's only been a few days. They haven't even put uh, pads on yet. So, Let's see how this progresses. Let's see if it stays the same. The 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 the, the, uh, the rotation with Trubisky through Mason through uh, Pickett. Let's see if it remains the same, or maybe maybe Pickett starts to make strides as training camp uh, progresses and and um, Rudolph drops off a bit, or maybe Rudolph stays where he's at, but Pickett just goes by him and earns that number two role. But at this point, I fully anticipate Trubisky um, being the starter in week one. It looks like that's that's what's what their plan is, and it's going to take a lot, in my opinion, from the, just based just based on on just the the vibe and what people are saying and and how Trubisky is 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 acting and 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 the fact that he he hasn't he's been with the the first team. The, the entire time so far, it looks to me like, like they're kind of hell bent on him being the starter and they want Pickett to kind of take a year on the bench, uh, which I have no problem with provided Trubisky uh, is, is, is a pretty good quarterback this year or Rudolph, whoever happens to be the starter. I have no problem with, with sitting uh, Pickett, but if Pickett is the best uh 
the best quarterback at, at you know by the end of camp, then I think he should be the starter because you 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 drafted him number one. And what's the point of putting him on the bench uh, for a year if if he's your best quarterback? Uh, if if he if the cream rises to the top, so to speak, and he turns out to be the best of the three, what's the point of him sitting on the bench? You know, you learn so much more through experience. This is what does it mean if Mason wins the job? Well, that's that's a loaded question because if he just happens to be like a, if he just performs, you know, much better than anybody uh, is anticipating at this point, then I think it's a great thing. Now, if he wins the job by default, that's bad news. If he just happens to be the the best uh, of a of a of a underwhelming uh, uh, trio of quarterbacks, well, that's bad news. But if he just blows past the other two, and he's, you know, I always used to, I always, I like to compare him to Kurt Warner because, you know, Kurt Warner, even though he was an undrafted uh, free agent out of college, uh, uh, he went on to make the hall of fame, <laughs> you know? So uh, if he turns out to have that kind of a career, then that's, that's a great thing. It, it all depends on, 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 on uh, the situation, you know, you know, like like lifelong fan says it means he deserves it. Well, not necessarily. It means that it could mean that, that, <laughs> that he just won it by default, but hopefully uh, it would mean that he, he just uh, blew pop blew, blew by the other two. Um, again, though, at the end of the day, yeah, they invested uh, a first round pick and pick it. Yes. They, 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 they signed Trubisky, but at the end of the day, you want to find a, a great starting quarterback. So I don't think in the long run, it would, it would, it would, be, it would injure the, the franchise all that much if they wasted a, a free agent uh, signing on, on Trubisky and it didn't work out and they wasted a first round pick on Pickett and it didn't work out because, you know, a, a, a great quarterback, a franchise caliber quarterback, those guys are so hard to find. So if you have to, if you have to break some eggs along the way to, to making a great omelet, uh, so be it. This one from Ron Schultz and, and says, Mitch and Kenny will, get better as camp goes on. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, Pickett is a rookie. I mean, he's, he's, he's a baby, you know, and this is, uh, in my opinion, a byproduct of, of the modern era, social media, uh, just everybody, everybody weighing in constantly, uh, every second of the day on everything, you know, like you look at social media, you look at Twitter and, you know, you got like 20 different reporters, uh, telling you everything that happens on every play in at a training camp, you know, I, I can list the names, but you, you know, the, the people there, you know, if you follow them on Twitter and I follow so many of these Steelers reporters on Twitter and it's like the same thing, I'll, like you, you scroll down, you see the same thing, you know, Kenny Pickett, uh, over three on, on, on his last uh, three passes, I almost had a pick, uh, Mason Rudolph looks great. You, you know, so you just, it, it just, it never ends. But see, you know, when, when, when we're only three days into camp, they haven't put pads on yet again to repeat myself. And yet, you know, it feels like camp's been going on for three weeks. You know, it's just the nonstop coverage. It just, you know, everything's just amplified today. And as far as Mitch Trubisky, uh, he mentioned something the other day about, you know, you know, when you, when you, when you're comfortable at what, at what your status is on the, uh, um, you know, as a starter, you have the freedom to maybe go out and test some throws, maybe take some chances and, and uh, you know, so maybe that might explain why he's been kind of 
And plus, he's going up against a really good defense. I mean, he's going up against the number one defense. You know, the, 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 the guys at the top of the chart, right? He's going up against TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, uh, you name it. So, you know, and, and this is the highest paid defense in the NFL, or one of the highest paid, I think. Anyway, it's, 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 it's certainly a much more expensive defense um, or more valuable in terms of, of, of uh, contracts than, than the offense. And if, if you remember back in the 2010s, in the, uh, the killer B heyday, when, you know, you had a, a premium offensive line, of course you had Ben in his prime, you had Antonio Brown, Bell. The offense was being handsomely paid and the defense was kind of young and maybe a little mediocre. And you would hear stories every day in training camp about the, 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 the offense uh, kind of outshining the defense. And now this week you've heard uh, story after story of the defense kind of, uh, you know, overshadowing the offense, kind of dominating the offense. And perhaps that's not, that's not a surprise. The offense is still trying to find itself. Obviously it's still trying to find its quarterback. It's got a, essentially a new coordinator. Uh, yeah. He's coming into year number two, but he's basically being allowed to run his offense for the first time. You have a young offensive line. You have all these young skill position players. They're all trying to learn a new system. So, you know, it's probably not a shock that the defense is outshining the offense um, uh, at this stage of training camp. So, yeah, Trubisky, I anticipate him um, getting better as, as the camp goes on. But, again, Mason Rudolph's a wild card here because – as much as you want to discount him, and, and and if I have to read one more time about he was he was replaced by a duck collar in his in his rookie year, that was or, or, or in 2019, that was literally four or five games into his career. You know, he was put in a tough situation. He had a uh, um, uh, you know, it was the first year without Le'Veon Bell. It was or the second year, I guess, the first year without Antonio Brown. You know, uh. And, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, the, the line was deteriorating. The offensive line was getting old, uh, you know, so you throw Mason Rudolph in there who hadn't, who didn't play at all his rookie year. And, and people were shocked that he was kind of unsure of himself and, and struggling a bit after four or five games. So he got replaced by Doug Hodges. How good could he be? That was basically his rookie year. It was basically his rookie year. And, and, uh, people might forget this, but by the end of the year, he looked pretty darn good in that Jets game uh, before he got hurt, and then they had to put Hodges back in there. So people conveniently forget that part. So to me, Mason Rudolph is the wild card in all this because this is his first legit chance to impress people um, as, as somebody who is competing for the starting – this is his first chance to start – or to compete for the starting job. And you might not think that that – he has a chance, but there's a big difference between the shadow cast by Ben Roethlisberger and the shadow cast by Mitch Trubisky and, and uh, Kenny Pickett. You know, that shadow is not nearly as intimidating as Big Ben's was. And I'm pretty sure Mason Rudolph uh, is thinking that right now. And if he, do, if he shows out, it's not going to be, you're not going to have to uh, twist Mike Tomlin's arm to name, to name him the starter over Mitch Trubisky, uh, to name him the starter over uh, Ben Roethlisberger, even a struggling old 
injured Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, that might have been uh, a hard thing for Tomlin to, to do, but not Mitch Trubisky and not Kenny Pickett. If Mason Rudolph is far and away the best guy, he's going to get the job. But again, that's down the road. So, and uh, let's see, uh, one more thing I want to talk about, and that's George Pickens. Um, he certainly appears to be the star of the first few days of camp, making acrobatic plays, lo- looking like a complete physical mis- misba- mismatch with everybody he goes up against. Um, it's not a shock that, that a receiver would, would, would shine when you're talking about uh, practice without pads, but to me, it's kind of, it's kind of exciting. You know, that he looks that dominant so far. Will it translate once they put pads on? Will it translate to, to actual games, meaning preseason or, reg- or the regular season? I don't know. But the general opinion after the draft seemed to be that had he not suffered that torn ACL in uh, 2020, or uh, yeah, it was maybe 2021, um, he would have been the first receiver drafted last year. So, I mean, if he's 100%, you know, he kind of struggled last year. He, he, he did fight his way back, and he got he helped Georgia win a national title, but he, he wasn't all that impressive. But, you know, you're coming off of a, a major knee injury, and you're, and, and you're coming back less than a year later. Maybe it's not a shock that he wasn't uh, himself when he came back, but maybe he's back now. And if he is, wow, he could be, he could be quite the uh, – quite the, uh, sensation in his rookie year so that's the 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 thing i'm most excited about after a few days and i guess again it's so early and the sample size is so small and the sample doesn't even come with uh, shoulder pads so uh it's hard to be too excited but 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 uh i i can't wait to to hear more about george pickens starting on monday when whenever they start hitting and and playing real football all right, let's see what we have as far as the questions. Anybody answer any of my questions that I threw out there? This one is from Faustino about, about Mason Rudolph, and they say against the Jets, he threw with confidence, and then he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, it was – talk about your short sample size. He played for a half, essentially, and then he got hurt, and and um, uh, he didn't really play the rest of the year. And since then, he's just been – uh, coming in, spot starts, mop up. So, well, it's hard. It's hard to really. Uh, to me, I think people, you know, I don't know what they expected from Rudolph in his rookie year, but he wasn't going to come in and be Tom Brady right away. So, all right, this one. This is a strong opinion from Jonathan Harvey from YouTube, and he says Mason Rudolph is not the successor to Big Ben. He knows it, fans know it, and the Steelers know it. Mitch and Kenny were brought in because because the Steelers don't see Mason as their franchise guy. Well, you're certainly right about why they may have brought in Mitch Trubisky and and, uh, Kenny Pickett. But again, you know, when you – if Mason Rudolph just just, just finds himself uh, this year, they're not going to look – look a gift horse in the mouth and go up. Oh, sorry. We brought these other guys in. We don't want a good quarterback. See, we're going to trade you for a third round pick. It's not going to happen, but you know, the odds are again, the odds are against him. Bernie Jones. Okay. Let's see what the, what he does. Five, 
years in the NFL later, we still trying to see what he can do crazy. He's had 17 appearances over five years. Okay. 17 appearances. And uh, most of those appearances, all of them actually were for an offense that was awful. Uh, offensive line, awful. You know, they went through two coordinators. So, you know, it's only 17. It, it, he's had one season of, of uh, NFL experience over five years. It's not like he's, he's played in 50 games. You know, again, this is what's so weird about the quarterback. And this is what people kind of, kind of uh, don't seem to get about the, that position is it's the one position where you can't get in-game reps uh, as a backup. You're either a backup standing there uh, watching the game or you're starting because the other guy got hurt. You don't get to go in and, 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 and gain experience through playing. Yeah, you can play in the preseason. Obviously, there's practice, but there's nothing like a real game. And that's what's so weird about about quarterbacks because people act, they expect these guys to come in and either have it or they don't or, or not right away. And, and really who knows throughout history, how many, how many uh, quarterbacks were lost because they just didn't get a chance to, to, to develop because people gave up on them too soon. We'll never know the answer to that question, but there certainly have been some examples of, of guys who have resurrected their careers because they were given a chance. Clint nicely says DJ needs to get it together. He needs the Steelers more than they need him. <laughs> you don't know that. I mean, what if he's uh, what if his talents have been hidden over the last few years because he's been playing in a compromised offense and he turns out to be the next, uh, I don't know, name any great receiver. You know, what if he turns out to be that guy? You don't know. Faustino says, wasn't Mason Rudolph the quarterback against the line? Of course he was. Everybody knows that. That's 16 to 16 tie. Ron Schultz says DJ isn't TJ. Well, that's true, but DJ's part of the same union that TJ's TJ belongs to. And try explaining to that union that you're going to punish this guy for holding in when you didn't punish the other guy. Because the union treats all their players the same, right? They all, they view them all the same. You know, they're not going to they're not going to uh, defend one guy over the other. So, um. Once you know, you, you, you can't say it's a matter of deserving when it comes to this kind of stuff. You can't say it's a matter of who's more important because you can't tell Deontay Johnson that he's not as important as TJ Watt. So we want you to go out there and risk your health and uh, potentially ruin your chance to, to, to get a big contract. All right. It's all about the quarterback and Deontay Johnson, which I'm not surprised. That's it's a big thing. Alex Flores says Johnson will get traded. Um, I wonder what you think they would get for him. Because he is a uh, he is going into the final year of his rookie deal. So it's not like they have any uh, control over him after after this year. This one is from lifelong fan. Terry Bradshaw didn't have it either until they played him more. Yeah, it took him a while to... Actually, I think he started um, early on. And then he was eventually replaced by um, Joe Gilliam. But yeah, he struggled mightily over his first four or five years. I mean, it was a, it was a different time, and the defenses so, cer certainly had more free reign. And uh, you know, you didn't have the West Coast offense, you, you didn't have Dink and Dunk or anything like that. So it was harder for a young quarterback, and you know, you didn't have the uh, the, the Mel Blunt role yet. Uh, offensive linemen 
uh, weren't allowed to extend their arms. So it was, it was tougher for, for offenses back then than it is today. But yeah, Bradshaw struggled mightily for the longest time. And he probably, the only reason why he was probably allowed to struggle for as long as he did was he was, he was the number one overall pick in 1970. Had he been a third round pick, he probably would have been gone by 1974. But, but instead he was allowed to stick around and, uh, be their uh, best quarterback and, and win the Super Bowl that year. And three more after that. Clint nicely uh, pumps me up a bit by saying, I always enjoy your insights and Steelers coverage. Well, thank you, Clint. I, and I, I, I enjoy your feedback. And of course I enjoy the fact that you, that you are watching and listening. This is one from Michael Demingon from YouTube. DJ needs to show he can catch balls and not have the dropsies. He scares me with his untimely drops. He did it in a playoff game against Kansas City. Just kills me. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can, there are ways to, you know, you can sort of um, shrug that off and say that, um, you know, he's had to catch so many uh, short passes over the last couple of years in traffic, and that might affect a receiver's concentration. Uh, but, you know, he's never going to shake that, that, um, that label and, until, you know, he does. And last year he was on his way to doing that. He really improved overall. He did improve his drop rate from the year before, but he had a lot at the end of the year. And as, as Michael mentioned in the playoffs, so that, that, you know, brought that, that uh, label back in full force. And, you know, of course the, the, the contract stuff and his uh, perceived demands that, you know, that, that just, amplifies that criticism even more and this one is from james bradshaw why are people not talking about our tight end i think we have two good ones well i've heard some things about zach gentry i think it's so far in camp and i but i you know friar muth by the way i think he he was out on friday with an injury but uh far you know i think everybody's pretty convinced that friar muth is going to be a friar muth is going to be a a stud so, you know, it's, again, it's been three days. You know, it's been three days. There's only so much you can talk about in three days. And, and you know, most of the the, uh, the um, coverage is going to be on the quarterback's stuff and Deontay Johnson. That's just how it is. State of the Steelers says of Johnson's holdout, he is hurting himself by holding in. He's allowing the other receivers to, the opportunity to take his spot. And the QBs are building cohesiveness with current receivers participation. Participating. Well, I mean, he's, he has three years in the league. Uh, maybe not with Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback, but he has three years in the league, so he, he has a resume. Um, and again, it's only been a few days. Uh, we'll see how long this lasts. You know, he he didn't uh, participate in OTAs early on, and then he came in at the end. So maybe this is just a, uh, a week-long thing. Maybe it'll be a couple weeks. But, uh, you know... Uh, I don't think he's hurting himself as much as people say. I think, you know, he's, he's to me, what he's done through three years has been pretty impressive considering how compromised the offense has been. So I think why he's not being, being given more credit for, for being productive, you know, when very few people on that offense have been, I don't know, but uh you know, the, the, the opinions on, on that hold in are going to vary, but you can't expect uh, uh, Johnson to act differently than 
TJ Watt did or Cam Hayward. They're they're not looking at it based on on uh, merit. They're looking at it based on uh, the fact that their employer lets one person do something. So why can't they let them do something? <laughs> do the same thing. Probably time to call it a night. Don't forget again. Don't forget to check out behind the store curtain for for all of your Steelers needs. The podcast side, both uh, live and audio, and of course the uh, editorial side. The news will keep coming at you fast and furious. And uh, check out our podcast this weekend. And check back on Monday, and I'll be with you again. Or actually, on Sunday, I'll see you on Sunday night with uh, Jeffrey Benedict on the, on the Q and A. And then, of course, I'll be back on Monday on the Hangover. So. Until then, you guys have a great weekend. And as always, go see you guys take care.